0: promotional consideration for growing greater philadelphia provided by the general building contractors association this is the growing greater philadelphia podcast bringing you more of the interviews and stories from
1: the growing greater philadelphia radio program now here's matt So, some of us are really fortunate to have jobs that are extra special and extra fun. And our guests on this episode of Growing Greater Philadelphia have that kind of job. We're welcoming into our program Chris Leonard, who leads the audio team at IMS Technology Services, along with Anthony Gracia, who is also a member of the IMS team. He's Vice President of Production Management and Event Staging at IMS. Anthony, it's great to have you. And Chris, it's great. Great to have you as well. Great to be here. Glad to be here. Thank you. So, Anthony, I'm going to start with you. Share with us a little bit about IMS. First of all, what does it mean, and
2: how do you describe what you do? Sure. So, IMS stands for Integration, Managed Services, and Staging. Uh, we started in '94. We're a full service integration company. So, things like corporate boardrooms, television studios, higher education classrooms, stuff like that, as well as managed services. So, managing those contracts, fixing gear making sure everything's online and working properly, and then our side, event staging. So we produce live events in the corporate market primarily, as well as higher education and special events.
1: That's great. And tell us a little bit about the history, because I know it's a it's a proud, family-owned, women-owned business yeah. that started right here in the greater Philadelphia region. Yeah, so uh, John and Joe
2: Renninger, our owners, started the business in 1994, pretty much out of the basement of their house, running projectors to and from for sales meetings and hotels. Wow.
1: And it was a part-time gig at first, or Part, yeah, part-time gig at first, and uh, here we are today. Yeah, that's fabulous. I love the the story of how someone has a concept, and they put into place the necessary elements, and they bring that idea to reality. Sounds like that's exactly that's what happened, pretty much a hundred percent. What happened? Yeah, yeah, that's the, great. The cards lined up. Yeah. So I know you mentioned what IMS actually stands for, but everybody just knows it as IMS, IMS today. Yeah. yeah. And there's lots of different components to it. You were referencing the integrated team, which deals in the corporate community and more of an office environment where they're setting up AV equipment at a really professional level for a variety of industries, and your team, which is on the staging side of the house. Correct. So we're focused more on the not permanent events,
2: the ballrooms, meeting spaces, cafeterias inside these corporations,
1: lobbies, you name it. And that's where I was going when I introduced each of you as having jobs that I would say are really fun and really cool. And, Chris, I wanted to turn to you to
0: to hear a little bit about the type of work you do in the audio space for IMS and why it's so fun. Yeah, for me uh, for me personally, it's so fun because I've been gigging and doing audio since I was a little kid, right? So uh, the fact that I'm able to continue to do this you know, now up in my 30s and I'm getting paid to do what I love, that, that's what makes it fun for me from a, a day-to-day perspective
1: share with us a story that you may have had for a project that you worked on that you know is either just really memorable or didn't go the way you thought it was going to go
0: and you had to come up with a solution uh, I'd say memorable in the recent time we had a rather large show that fell upon us pretty quickly which we would normally take in a year to plan, and we did it in about four months' time, and it was our largest show indoors, at least. Mm-hmm. And so we just so we spent four months hunkering down in our program called we called Vectorworks, which is a, like a 3D drawing program, so we could map out the room, figure out what my audio coverages for an audience size of like nine thousand people. Wow! Uh, so I had to figure out make sure everyone's going to hear you know the same across all of it, the entire space. There's a lot of other logistics of communications on this throughout the space. We were across the whole convention center, so we had to make sure all those things were going to work and line up. Yeah.
1: One of the things that caught my ear was that you kind of had about a four-month window to put this all together, which sounds like it was unusual. You usually have about a year right. ramp-up time. What was What was so unique about this that you got a phone call – you know, four or five months before the project to say, hey, we need you guys like, and we need you now.
0: Yeah, so this was a relationship that we had been working on for a while, and and it was potential that we're gonna get to work in the future, just for whatever reason, things didn't work out with the incumbent, and so it made the switch to us. Gotcha. And so we had to pull through and, and, and make it happen.
1: And I suspect that kind of role of coming in to solve a
0: problem because they needed to make a switch It's something that you guys are, are kind of used to. Absolutely. You always have to adapt last minute. I mean, there's times where we get to plan for these shows months and months at a time. And there's times where we get a call and say, hey, next week I got this. Right. And it's, you know, you still have a process to do, but that window of that process just gets narrowed down and, and you still got to make it happen. Right. And coming up on
1: a 25 year anniversary for the company, essentially, I bet you have a reputation, Anthony, of really being able to perform under pressure. I th- I would say that's an understatement
2: most of the time. I think Chris embellished a little bit. Usually it, the hot ones come in one to two days before,
1: <laughs> right? Uh, Great. Right.
2: You know, uh, so he was being more modest. He not was, embellishing. He was, he was definitely being yeah, modest. I, yeah. I can appreciate that. But uh, <laughs> no, I think we do. Um, you know, really ranges with regards to the timelines. Sometimes it's hey, this just came up. You know, an executive wants to have this meeting, and we need to do this. Or sometimes you know, like Chris said, we have. Time upon time. And it's a blessing and a curse. Sometimes the more time you have to prep and prepare a show, you get a little... over inundated with the details.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I can totally appreciate that. You overthink it. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. And there is a, a special recent experience that each of you had a chance to work on with other colleagues at IMS that really came about on short notice. And that's all related to our world champion Philadelphia Eagles football team and the role that your team played. Share with us a little bit more about the role that IMS played as part of that win. Sure. So uh, IMS, in conjunction with Fred Stein, produced
2: the Super Bowl parade down at the Art Museum, and we broadcasted from the Art Museum to City Hall. I think we had 13 screens, a whole bunch of sound, and uh, lights the whole nine yards. But the amazing part is you only had, like, what, a week or so to pull it together? Yeah, we met—I think we met the Wednesday before the team left to go out to, uh, to Minneapolis— just as a hey this is what we're gonna do right very very high level so it was with you know the city the police the parks department us the Eagles Fred and his team and the guys over at Proof Productions who uh, supplied all the staging and stuff like that so we met kind of put the plans in process and uh, waited for the Eagles to win it was win or go home legitimately winner go
1: home now I suspect this is related to superstition but why didn't a meeting take place earlier that's a great question. I, it's a it's a question I don't have an answer
2: to. Yeah, uh, I think they they had talked. I, I know Fred and you know the Eagles executives had talked about this previously. Yeah. I think it was more, you know, we don't want to put the cart before the horse right. kind of mentality.
1: Right. Yeah. And I do know uh, you're referencing Fred Stein, who I know you've mentioned a couple of times. And Fred runs uh, the creative group creative and group. is a real expert at putting on events. And uh, I've had the privilege to work with Fred on a couple of different projects. And I suspect there is this element of superstition and not let's not put the cart before the horse type of thing until the timing is just right. But it creates a little bit of a crunch for you guys, I suspect. Right, Chris?
0: No, ab- absolutely. I mean, a show of that size to cover audio and video for over a mile space that would have been one of those where we would have taken months to plan and we did it in three or four days and had to have enough stuff ready that you know we didn't know if we we're doing the job until that clock stops on sunday night right but yet loading was gonna be 8 a.m monday morning so we had to have enough pieces in place not only hey can we do this but i know no, we had to be mobilized and ready to go and so 8 a.m monday morning i was down there wait delivering the first truck and you know dump a gear and and so that short time frame was, you know, we spent three, four days doing nothing but planning because it, it was not an easy thing to plan. Yeah, intense. I suspect um, you guys didn't get much sleep that week, I suspect. No. no. Right. No. <laughs> no. And Because originally it was supposed to be on Wednesday. Yeah. But actually the rain helped us in a way. Even though it was painful while we were there, right, to give us another day to actually kind of get prepared, but and yeah, so it ended up being on Thursday. But yeah, we we were there, you know, twelve plus hours a day,
1: easy. Yeah, I'm sure. And Chris, I'm going to ask you this question, being the uh, the audio guy. There is an infamous moment where one of our players had a passionate presentation. Share with us a little bit more about that and what I would call the the trophy
0: that may be <laughs> proudly displayed. Nice. So yeah, the Kelsey speech. So. Yeah, it was definitely the highlight of the, I think, of the at least the talking portion of the uh, parade. Yeah, that was one of the hardest I've worked on a show like that because to actually keep his dynamics under control mm-hmm. uh, and to not uh, either distort or uh, blow everything out. You know, I'm working compressors, working the gain and everything to kind of keep him level throughout the system. So that was hard in and of itself. And then yes, it being an epic speech. Yeah, our owner John Renninger, he wanted the microphones and the the mount mounted onto a trophy so he had a trophy made and actually kelsey's actually seen it and was jealous of it and <laughs> he so, wants it so we made him a replica copy of nice. it as well nice but it sits in uh, john's office now Yeah, you know? that's very cool and for those listening who may not
1: appreciate the nuance of this jason kelsey one of the players on the philadelphia football eagles team who was dressed that day of the parade in a mummer's outfit gave a very passionate and compelling speech that really defined, in many ways, the spirit of the greater Philadelphia region. So I love the fact that you and your team and one of the co-owners, John, saw this as an opportunity to really immortalize that moment by taking that microphone and capturing it, if you will, to Mm -hmm. hold it in time and celebrate that particular moment. It's really smart. And that leads me back to a little bit more about John and Jill the founders of IMS, working out of their basement in 1994. Tell us a little bit more, Anthony, about the size of the company today. How have you guys grown? I know you've been there coming up on 15 years. Chris, you've been there about 10 years. So you've seen a lot of growth over your time there. But if you can, share with us the humble beginnings, if you will, of IMS working out of the, the family basement and where you guys are today. Sure. So the, you know, they started in the family basement and moved to um
2: – um I guess a small office building in Glen Mills next to a donut factory, from what I understand. So John always used to say it smelled really good. Yeah. It was hard to, hard to keep his waistline in check. And then, uh, you know, when I joined the firm, I was, uh, I think it was the 27th employee when I joined the firm. We're now up to roughly 120. Wow. Uh, so our headquarters is in Garnet Valley. We have an event staging office in Orlando. Wow. Um, as well, we're, we're expanding uh, to further markets in the future. We have sales representation in New York, in Chicago, in Dallas. Wow. So, yeah, really nationwide predominantly.
1: Yeah. That's very impressive. Side, so. yeah. yeah, that's really impressive. And I love the fact that, you know, a woman-owned business, a husband and wife team get together and come up with this idea, and about 25 years later, it's now a national company. And the fact that Chicago and uh, New York and Dallas and Orlando. That's a really impressive and inspiring story. And I, from a business attraction perspective, based on what we do at Select Greater Philadelphia and our Chamber of Commerce for Greater Philadelphia, to be able to share those kinds of stories on the national and international stage to inspire other companies to say, oh, wow, I didn't realize Greater Philadelphia had all this to offer. Everything from the access and the proximity and the logistics of transportation needs make this community such a perfect place to establish and grow a business and the IMS team is really living that every day. I completely
2: agree with that. I mean, we have people from really all over the country that come to seek employment with us. And, and yeah. uh, it, it's nice to see that when we started relatively small and to see how much we've grown specifically in my you know, 14 years here, it's a pretty nice accomplishment. It's, it's great to see, you know, there's, there's a lot of camaraderie. There's a, a lot of team building and we hold each other up and, you know, we have a saying we're only as good as our last show, right? Which is it's, actually it's really kind of cliche, but it's totally true. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and when listen, when we have bad shows, we critique those bad shows. When we have great shows, we critique those great shows. Right. We don't we don't have a status quo, So yes, we really look at everything, try to make ourselves better across the board, and frankly, hold each other accountable for that.
1: So, folks, that's Anthony Garcia, and he's part of the production management team and the event staging team at IMS Technology, and he's here with his colleague Chris Leonard, who leads the audio team at IMS. They're headquartered down in Garnet Valley, Delaware County, just about uh, 25 miles south of Center City, Philadelphia, but they have a national reach. And Anthony, you are part of the staging team, but you reference this other organization within the family called Integrated. So tell us about the Integrated team. Sure. So the integration
2: team focuses primarily on permanent uh, AV installations in universities, corporate spaces, private spaces. Gotcha. Uh, so it's it's pretty high level. Uh, you know your executive boardrooms. Yeah. All the way down to your uh, your corporate
1: television studios that maybe broadcast webcast training. Gotcha. Okay. Like so chances are pretty good that if we walk into a corporate environment or an educational institution somewhere in the Greater Philadelphia region, or I suspect nationally, we may be coming across an installation that the IMS team completed. Correct yeah yep. that's great. You must have really good teams uh, at the integration side of the house. Yeah, they're a phenomenal groups awesome. of people. yeah yeah they that's really great. Are. So share with us, and I'm, I'm a big fan of this. Um, you know things don't always go the way we think they're going to go, and and I'd love to hear about some of those experiences, how you handled them, and what you learned from them as well.: Sure, so um, we do a lot of events and tents. Uh, events intense we do
2: a lot of events intense we do, we do one specific town hall for one of our premier clients uh, yeah. every december and it's usually nasty out right so we have learned to uh <laughs> to set up like eskimos yeah and uh they heat the tent you know we did an event last year where we had a tent local here and it was overheated so, in essence, it rained inside the tent. Oh. So, we learned uh, the delicate balance of atmosphere and how that works. Right.
1: <laughs> you, you were pulling on the science stuff that you skipped yeah, when you when, were in Yeah, when,
2: when the monitor engineer is, uh, has an umbrella over his desk to prevent it from getting wet because it's dripping from the ceiling. Yeah. Yeah, you turn the heat off. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah. That's
1: a good lesson learned. Absolutely. Um,
2: you know, I think outside of the, the normal, one thing we run into a lot, we do drawings and renderings for all the events that we do. Mm-hmm. So, you're only as good as what you're given in that instance if you right. can't go down and do a site surveying it so we've gotten a lot of um plans from hotels venues stuff like mm-hmm. that, sure, where they may not necessarily have the as built. They have you know a plan that they're referencing that wasn't what was gotcha. signed and sealed. So and it's close, It's close, but it's not exact, which could be a problem for your team. Two inches can be a big problem for us. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, we have actually helped, you know because it's a small world out there. Right? It's small uh, in our industry. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've helped some contemporaries of ours, actually, by giving them our drawing files that are accurate and saying, hey, you need to give this to people because what you're given is not accurate. Right, right. Um, so you always run into that. I'll push over to Chris because he's he's got a lot more recent ones probably. Yeah.
1: I, I love that, but I but I also love how generous you guys are to say, look, you're giving us outdated plans. We're actually going to help you by making sure you don't do this again, whether it's us or other partners. Because that's that's a really important yeah, I think that, you know a, a lot really of it is, aspect.
2: A lot of it is transparency. It's you know we're yeah. all in this together at the end of the day. It's hard for guys like Chris and I to go to an event and not pass judgment, right? Um, you know it's it's. Um, Concerts stink. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I hate going to concerts. Um, w- working them, you mean? No, I just hate going because oh. I can, you know, I can point out. My background's audio engineering as well, so okay. you, know, you can you point out the little,
0: oh, made a mistake here, stuff yeah. like
2: that. It's just unfortunately the nature of the beast in this business.
0: It, it, it's hard for me to think of, a, of an exact uh, show or something went wrong, but I think more of it is is that we often have to adapt and overcome. So, meeting planner might come in, you know, a couple hours before the show and say, "Hey, I want the room flipped this way," right? And it's okay. You know, and, and you, you hunker down and, and you do, it, do what you need to do to get it done and, and change because of, you know, yeah. that, you know that's but, what yeah. client's expectations are. So. But kickoff is in an hour and you got to flip the room. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. it, It definitely happens.
1: And I suspect I'm coming back to the example you shared a moment ago, Anthony, of, you know, you walk into a property and you may have someone who's kind of new to the property and even maybe even new to the industry. And it's all a new experience for him or her. And they are just going off the plans they found in the drawer. And to have someone who is a lot more experienced than they may have Help them and be a mentor to them in that kind of sense. Has to be really um, beneficial for them, and frankly, for you and your colleagues who are going to come after you.
2: Yeah, I would, I would completely agree with that. You know, even down to you know, you look at the venues that we have in the city, and and you know, knowing the dockmaster, knowing the head, you know, the head banquet captain, stuff like that. They'll tell us, hey, you know, you're dealing with something here, or you're dealing with something there, and it's it's really at the end of the day. What's it come down to? It comes down to a happy client, right? You know, so that that's our goal, no matter what. Yeah, you know, we want a successful show. I want the people who go to that show to walk out of there, having heard everything, having seen everything, right, having been you know wowed and taking something from it. So that's our ROI on an event, right? Is really what that end user comes out of it with, right?
1: Yeah, happy client, a repeat client. True. Yeah, absolutely. I want to shift gears slightly, and I want to come back to you on this, Anthony. But I want to start with Chris as well, because Chris, you had mentioned that um, you know you are kind of living your dream. You are an audio guy, and you've been doing audio your entire life, and now you're you know in mid stride of your career, and. Um, I'd love to hear your perspective on what do you tell a young person who's maybe in middle school, maybe they're 12 or 14, and maybe they're in high school or they're thinking about going to college or getting a specific type of training because they have a real passion for either, you know, they may not even know the terminology audio engineer, but they want to work in this space of theater or arts or, you know, event production. What kind of guidance and insight do you share with somebody like that?
0: Yeah, for sure. Someone in, I would speak to maybe this industry, audio industry, Mm -hmm. I, I can speak to. You know, there are schooling options. I did go to school for a little bit for it. I don't think it's 100% necessary, but that is an avenue. Traditional four-year college? No. Uh, so I went to more of a trade school. I went to a Sheffield Institute for the Recording Arts. Mm-hmm. So it was more, it was just like a 200, 300-hour program that I went to. Yeah. I don't think it's fully necessary to go to a, like a four-year, get a degree that, that you know, and get a communications degree and, and then go into this business. Right. But I'm not saying, you know, don't, but I think there's ways into this business where you don't have to spend that much money and come out with that much debt. Right. I think more importantly is uh, there are so many avenues to just get yourself out there. So, you know, uh, whether it's uh, working through like a local labor company or and, and getting your feet wet and finding, you know, mentors to work in or mm-hmm. just, you know just, kind of volunteering and giving, giving some time to it. There's so many resources, whether it be online, blogs. There's in this day and age we're living in digital training is, is easy to come by. Right. So it's one of those things I think more importantly is just your work ethic. If you don't have work ethic, regardless of what industry you're trying to go into, it's not gonna matter. Right. So understanding, you know, what a good work work ethic is and working on that now when you're younger, regardless of what industry you're in, is gonna pay off more than the actual training when when you're early on.
1: Drilling down on that example that you gave about your career path, take us back to your junior or senior year of high school. How did you discover Sheffield College, I think
0: you called it, right? Yeah. So high school didn't go very well for me. Yeah, it's okay. And so, and so, uh, so, you know, I got out, and I'm like, all All right, right. take us back to eighth grade. (laughs) That's okay. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, (laughs) kidding, Chris. Um, You know, so uh, (laughs) so I'm out. It's like, okay, well, you know, what am I going to do for a living, right? Right. Uh, And uh, so I knew I had wanted to either tour with bands or just work in audio, Mm -hmm. and so I thought, okay, in order to get into this business, I needed to go to school. That's what was in my mind. And so that's why I did find uh, Sheffield Institute for the Recording Arts. And it was a good launching pad for me. They got me my first, um, my first touring job with Maryland Sound, uh, which, yeah. which is where, you know, down in Maryland. Yep. And so it was worth it from that aspect. And I had a lot of relationships that I gained from that. And so it was very valuable.
1: Yeah. Um, so I just, again, I don't want to be a scooch when I ask you this question by drilling down on it too much. But how did you discover Sheffield? Did, did you stumble upon it? Did you find it in the phone book? Did a friend recommend it? Do you remember that moment where you're like, Sheffield, I got to pursue that.
0: I'm pretty sure at the time it was probably just searching online. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I knew I, I looked for like a handful of different recording schools, and it happened to be the closest one to me. Yeah, you know, and I knew I wasn't going to go away to school that type of thing, so it was more of it was in my backyard per se. Um, yep. and um, it was you know achievable. It wasn't a four year school because there were, there are some other schools in our industry that you can do four year programs, and I knew that just wasn't for me.
1: Yeah, and I'm, I'm asking these questions because frankly, I know you love what you do. I can tell you do, I can tell by talking with you, I can tell that you're committed to this, And not everybody has that opportunity to find that niche in their professional life that is so satisfying and so rewarding. And I know there's somebody listening to this conversation that's like, that's me. And i got to find that path in life for me. And I know they can benefit from hearing your story of the path that you took that, frankly, is not the traditional path. A lot of times we hear about four-year colleges, and we know from our own personal experiences that that is not the path for everybody. But it's also not easy to find the path that's right for that individual if it's not that more traditional one that everybody's right. telling them that they're supposed to go through. So, so we're talking with Chris Leonard, folks, who's at IMS, and he is living his dream as director of audio for the IMS team. And he's also here with his uh, colleague, Anthony Gracia. Who's also living his dream? And Anthony, what's your story? You're a, a, a proud native of the Greater Philadelphia area. How did you
2: a, How did you land where you are? That's a great That's a great question. Um, I hope it's a mi- great story. Mi- miraculously, actually. <laughs> um, no, so I got out of high school. Was doing stage crew in high school. Really had a passion for it. Really loved theater. Um, yeah. To back up what Chris said, I, I think I had mentors. So for me, I had people who were older than me who were going through this industry and. We're open about this industry, and this is all prior to social media and all that other stuff. So sure. Just, you know, whether it be doing plays for local high schools or doing plays for you know, community theater, stuff like that. That So my background was primarily theater. Mm-hmm. I graduated from Cabrini. Frankly, the only reason I went to Cabrini was because my dad forced me to. Right. My dad said, you're not going to end up like me. You're going to school, and if you don't want to go to school, you're paying rent. And I didn't have enough money to pay rent, so right. I went to school. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> would I trade it in for anything? No. I also left, you know, my senior year at Cabrini uh, in the second semester, I had one class left. Mm -hmm. I had an opportunity to move to Vegas. Mm -hmm. It was going to be for the summer. It turned out to be two years. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I I went out there. I had a great job at one of the hotels out there. Learned a lot. I mean, Mm -hmm. just learned a ton. Basically a running running
1: their AV operation for the hotel. You
2: name it. I mean, we, we did everything from corporate to boxing events to live concerts. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really got a taste of everything. And, and, you know, again, having those mentors in place and having those people that you can follow. I ask a lot of questions. I have a tendency to latch on yeah. and be bothersome sometimes. But it's right. all for my, my education and yeah. my betterment. You know, but again, to go back to what Chris said, this is what I know. This is what I do. This is what I love. There's yep. there's no, there's nothing else in life, career-wise, that I would want to be doing. Right.
1: Except for this. And and we get to see everything. So a three-part question for you. Sure. Dad's still with us. Did you thank him for pushing you down this certain path? And what brought you back from Vegas? Every day, I thank my dad. Yeah. And he is still with us. Um, it's, it's
2: actually my mom and my dad. My dad was just a little bit more forceful. Sure. Um, and... um what brought me back from Vegas? You know, I was a young kid. I, I was, you know, twenty three years old. I had just entered into a serious relationship with my now wife. Mm-hmm. Um, she didn't want to move to Vegas. Right. She was working for a marketing company outside of Milwaukee. I interviewed with them. I interviewed with a couple other companies out there, and I didn't want to take a step backwards in my career because of where how I was progressing and what I was doing. So I decided, uh, you know, let me come home. Let me see what's going on. Yeah. You know. It's great to work a lot of hours. It's great to make a lot of money. But when you don't have time to enjoy it, you find the negatives real easy. And I was starting to go down that path of finding those negatives and and really seeing some of my coworkers' attitudes come into my life. And I didn't want that.
1: I I wanted nothing to do with that. So coming home was a little bit of a reset and an anchor setting.
2: It was definitely a reset. Uh, It was definitely an anchor setting. It was hard. It was extremely difficult. Mm -hmm. You You go from living in Vegas yeah. by yourself for as, two years as a years young person to, yeah, yeah moving back in with mom and dad and yeah. you know finding finding work i booked my first gig with ims uh i was in kansas driving across the state and got a phone call to go do lighting
1: actually for an event that's great and um, by the end of that event i was a, a team member so yeah, yeah that's great that's great that was going to be one of my questions and before i get to it i, I do have to say on the bright side you had mom and dad to go home to totally and you had that foundation that you could build from. Because yep. again, not everybody does. No, no, yeah.
2: no. But and again, I think you know you have to have those mentors, whether they be mom and dad or they be somebody else. But you also have to have the drive to do this yeah. yourself. You you can't be can't be somebody who's sedentary or who is under the assumption that if I'm going to work X, Y, and Z hours and I'm going to I'm going to push A, B, and C boxes and I'm going to get to this position tomorrow. Yeah, it doesn't work like that. Yeah.
1: Had you heard about IMS before you actually landed there?
2: No, actually, I had never heard of IMS. Uh, my dad was reading the Delaware County Times and saw an ad for a delivery driver. Right, and um, he said, "Here, you know, why don't you call these guys?" Because it said audiovisual. Yeah, yeah. And, they do you what know, you know, do. It's, it, yeah, yeah. It's like, hey, they do what you do. You know, call yeah. these guys. And I called him. I interviewed a couple times. And uh, yeah, here we are today. Yeah, your dad sounds like a genius. <laughs> I'll appreciate that.
1: Seriously. he is. A, yeah, he's, he's he's a he's a pretty cool dude. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I can tell. I'm, I'm serious. It sounds like he's he's a great mentor in your life. Totally, a great a as is your mom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So I have a question that I want to ask both of you. I'm going to give it to Chris first. Give him the hard question. But um,
0: what do you love about working at IMS? I love working with. Uh, I think working with the people that we have there is probably the best thing. I mean, I could do what I do. At just about any company, right? And there's tons of audio companies, production companies, things like that. Uh, and I could do it anywhere in the country I wanted to, but definitely in this area, given the clients and the type of work we, we, we do, that you know, that, that keeps me one, and then two, just the people. I mean, it really is, uh, it really is a, a big family, you know, even though we're 120 some people, you know, uh, it's uh. Coming to work every day, there's not there's not really one bad attitude there, and if they are, they don't last long. Yeah, and so that the family nature of the company is one of the biggest parts.
1: Yeah, that's great. And a similar question for you, Anthony: What makes IMS so special?
2: I think it's exactly what Chris just said. I think you know a lot of it comes down to a lot of our employees have been there for a long time. They trust the process. Uh, They trust each other. It is truly a family run business. But I, I think a lot of it though is growth potential. I mean, we have seen guys come in who. Could barely tie their shoe, mm. and now they're running $100,000 events plus right. and phenomenal. But to see the team rally around each other, you know, for me now it's more of, of you know seeing him bestow his knowledge on the ranks below him, and and seeing those team members rise sometimes above. You know, John told me one time. John's our owner. He said, "You know, your success is measured on the success of your team." Right. It's not just you as the individual. And and you know, I was a lot younger when he said that to me, and I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now it's full circle, and it's 110% accurate. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. It totally right. makes perfect sense. Yeah. yeah. And you reminded me of something that I really have a passion around as well, this kind of notion of when you know you're in the right place. And the description you just gave of a person who comes into the shop, and they're kind of lost. They're, they're not really structured, both personally and professionally. And now they're they're in a place where they're just – Firing on all cylinders, and you can tell they're happy personally and professionally. How did you know? What was that moment, if you have it in your mind, that you knew you were in the right place? Things just clicked for you. There's been a lot of them. You know, frankly, when you're in hour 20
2: of an event day, and there's still a lot more work that has to be done, and you look next to you, and Mm -hmm. the guy next to you is working harder than you. Right. Right. That's what does it for me. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, we've had a lot of those, uh, those last minute phone calls that come in. Yeah. And, you know, at the time you're like, how am I going to get through this? And we grab each other by the neck and we pull each other through it and high five at the end.
1: I mean, that's that's the goal. Yeah. I mean, the great part about it is the reason you and the team at IMS are getting those last minute phone calls is because of the reputation you've built over the last 25 plus or minus years. And I know a lot of your clients are based in the greater Philadelphia region, but whether it's your staging needs or your corporate integration or university integration team, you're doing work across the, the Northeast region and, and nationally. And are there projects, Chris, that you and the team work on that take you to kind of cool exotic places every once in a while?
0: Yeah, every now and then we get to go to decent places. I mean, you know, we'll do like sales conferences for, you know, pharma or uh, financial. It'll have places like Marco Island, Florida, Mm -hmm. or, you know, some resort in California or something like that. So every now and then, yeah, you get to go to decent locations, but... Even when we're there, though, we're typically just seeing the four walls of the ballroom. And...
1: <laughs> true. I was
0: going to ask that you're you're working, but I I would hope that
1: you'd have a little bit of downtime to enjoy the space. Some every,
2: every, once, in every in a a while. once in a while, yeah. yeah. Every once in a while, yeah.
1: Uh, it's a good thing we're on radio because I get the sense that Anthony's giving us a little mischievous look.
2: <laughs> no, we've, I mean it's, it's
1: true though. You know, I've been all over the country
2: and I've seen yeah. pretty much every hotel ballroom yeah. <laughs> that's out yeah. there. Um, yeah.
1: But no, I mean, when we, we try to take advantage when we have that time. So this may sound like a really nuanced question as well. And again, I'm going to be giving Chris the tough part by asking him first and say, how do you describe what you do to friends and family when you talk about, you know, you go to a wedding or a family reunion and, and they say, uh, Chris works for IMS technical services or technology services. What, what does that mean? How do you describe it to Aunt Mary in a way that she can understand it?
0: Yeah, I mean, my first thing I typically say is, you know, we're a full-scale production company. It does lights, video, sound for, you know, corporate events, galas, award shows. We basically do all the behind the scenes things that make everyone heard and seen and and we create an atmosphere for an event that you, you might not realize you know half things we're doing you know someone's not going to walk into a room and go oh you know look at those lights that are moving or, or listen to that you know that sub that's playing but it, it, all, it all comes together and creates an atmosphere that you know they go oh, okay you know it's a, a back of mind thought of hey you know this event is next level right um, so from an event staging standpoint that's kind of how i would describe you know what i do on a day-to-day basis right that
1: makes sense anything you want to add to that anthony
2: I usually ask them what they do first. Yeah. And the reason being, take a doctor, for instance, Say, hey, do you have to go get continuing medical credits? And right. They all do. So I said, well, when you sit in that room and look at the screen and hear the audio and see the stage,
1: that's what we do. Right. It's happening because we set that up for you. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What's next? Any cool shows coming up that the IMS team is uh, working on that you're able to share? Well, yeah. I mean, we do have our, our town hall in the tent. Coming yeah, up another ten. another yeah, ten.
0: another, another, tent another tent tent going gig of December in December, North Jersey. It's a great time of year for a ten gig. It'll be sure to be raining or snowing that <laughs> yeah, day. I'm uh, sure.
2: Yeah, so, uh, yeah, some good things on the horizon. We're we're getting into the association market, so we're doing a lot more association events. And, and yeah, um, yeah. So the, the guys are going to get ready to fly out here in a couple of days to go do a site survey for uh, in Houston. Right. Uh, for the the next big event, we're in our busy season right now, so we do a lot of our business really fourth quarter. Right. about a third of our business in the fourth quarter just because of the end of the fiscal year for a lot of companies. So a lot yeah. of town hall and stuff like yeah. that.
0: Wrap up meetings. Yep. Sure. Yeah. I just completed my favorite gig of the year. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony laughs because everyone gives me a hard time about it. So uh, this is our eighth year supporting the U.S. Open Squash Championships which is held at Drexel University. Sure. Uh, so U.S. Squash puts on that and um, it's, uh, you know, Squash. A lot of people don't know about it. It's the international version of what Americans would call racquetball. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, this is a, you know, world. Um, it's the U.S. Open, so you know there's Egyptians, there's uh people from the U.K., they're from all over the world competing. Right. Very cool. Um, and uh, this is the eighth year it's been hosted at Drexel. So I, you know, I, I do a little bit of everything on the backside of that. And, right. Uh, it's a week long event, and that just got done for me. So that's that's kind of my highlight each year of a of a show to do. We just completed yeah. the uh, Mid Atlantic Emmys.
2: Okay. Local to you know the local to Philadelphia. Sure. So we've been doing that for I think seven years now. Okay. For, for a while. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so. yeah.
1: I love this squash tournament example, Chris, that you were just sharing because it, it helps to illustrate the international flavor of Greater Philadelphia. The fact that folks are coming from all over the world to play squash at Drexel University is a really compelling story for how we position it. We may take it for granted because, you know, it's just another gig you're working on mm-hmm. or, you know, of course people are coming here to play squash because it's a it's a cool sport. But when you step back and look at it and say, Wow, this is the stage literally for folks from all around the world to come to. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So at the risk of potentially jinxing us, are you guys planning for any special parade along the parkway in like early to mid February, maybe? No, we'll let you know the week before uh <laughs> the week before we get there. Yeah. But uh no.
0: We learned a lot. <laughs> we know what to do better next time. Right. Um. No, I, I mean, you know, the the, the good thing is, yes, if, if it comes around again, we're prepared. I think one of the comments that was put out by uh, one of the news stations was that, you know, we had had the draft was here. Yes. And that there were, I wasn't here, but apparently there was, uh, you know, complaints that audio didn't go as well on that. And the remark uh, from one of the stations was that, you know, Philadelphia learned their Lesson, they got it right this time. Right. And so I took that as a big compliment in terms of, uh, you know, everyone's able to hear I I run into people all the time who were at any different point along the parade route. And yeah, God it was amazing. I could hear, I could see. You know, so the good news is that if it does come around, we, yeah. know, we know how to cover it.
1: You know, I know this is going to sound really silly, Chris, but you bring up a really important point that we take audio and for that matter, visual for granted until it doesn't work, and then it's a problem. Mm-hmm. But when everything's working the way it's supposed to, thanks to you guys at IMS, then it's perfect and everything's going according to plan. But when there's that little glitch, the whole event, frankly, can be ruined because no one can hear the speakers and the experience is, is challenged and less positive than everybody expected it to be. And you kind of walk out with a downer. So it's great to know that you guys are constantly thinking about making sure that these events are not downers. And I know one of the way you guys uh, describe yourselves at IMS is to provide the absolute best value in audiovisual systems and integration, project management, AV managed services, and I know from experience and being at your events that you deliver on that commitment every day. And we've been talking, folks, with uh, Anthony Garcia, who's part of the production management and event staging team at IMS Technology Services, and his colleague, Chris Leonard, who leads the audio team at IMS Technology Services as well, headquartered right here in Greater Philadelphia down in Delaware County at Garnet Valley, neighborhood of our community. And we're thrilled that you guys took a time out to be with us right here on Growing Greater Philadelphia. Thanks very much. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. Hey, this segment of Growing Greater Philadelphia is brought to us by Independence Blue Cross. They're a proud sponsor of Select Greater Philadelphia. Independence Blue Cross is the largest health insurer of the Philadelphia region, serving more than 2.5 million people locally and 8.5 million people in 23 states and Washington, D.C. You can learn more about Independence Blue Cross at IBX.com. Check out all of our podcasts and tune in Friday mornings, 5 a.m. on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT. Thanks so much for listening to Growing Greater Philadelphia.